This week's podcast features a message from Pastor Marty Lynch Keolilopono at Spiritual Emphasis 2019. In it, he shares about how God wants to emphasize on the spiritual things in our life. We hope you're encouraged today. I'm with you. I'm a Shafter High graduate. We built the, the church, the Assembly of God Church, behind the old Foster Freeze there, and, and uh, so real familiar with that location. It's really changed since I was there. It was just a house, and we remember putting some partitions up to put the first eight guys in there. The same thing in Reedley when we had the first 18 guys come to Reedley, and, and uh, I was telling, when they asked, they said, Marty, send a bio, and I says, I just don't like doing that type of stuff, and I never did. I had my wife print something out on a text and said, send it to Paulette. I said, because, you know, I'm just a servant of the Most High God. How many are here that understand that? God's given me the privilege to do a bunch of things and things that I just am excited about being part of, but there's probably nothing more exciting. I told my son, I was here a couple years ago speaking and, and got to, to, to bring a message to all the, the, the students here, and, and uh, we went home and didn't have one picture of it. And so I, I just... I, I'm so glad to be back and at least get a second chance. I thought, I don't even have one memory. I can't make, so I can at least show something to the church that I just didn't go to Southern California to Disneyland or something. They can go, oh, he did something. And so uh, uh, I'm grateful to be back. I just want to say I, I pastor Christ Driven Assembly of God, which we founded. We pulled up out of the ashes in, in two, uh, 2012 as we pioneered a church in our driveway in 06. I helped pioneer the uh, worship center there as co-founder with uh, the assemblies, and God's just been giving me favor in the area of being able to put my eye on something and say, I know what that needs to be used for, and, and so I'm very blessed in, in, and thank the Lord for using me and my family. We're kind of vagabonds. I'm from Shafter, California, graduated. My wife, Shafter, she graduated. We migrated up to the Kingsburg area. We ended up buying homes in Fowler. Our sons went to school in Reedley. We now are residing in Dinuba, California, up on Smith Mountain, and we pastor in Selma, California. So we're all over the Central Valley, and Mike and John and all of them would know that. We're everywhere. But I just want to say that I have probably the most, and this is probably the first time she's never went to anything with me, the most amazing woman, the most amazing person some of you Reedley guys know that, that work with Mona at uh, CAPS, and as she serves in her ministry, she could not be here today because of that. She has people out of office, they're on vacation, so I just want to introduce my son. Kaloha, why don't you come on up? We were here. Come on up. This is one of our youth pastors, worship leaders, his brother, which is his younger brother, no longer his little brother, because his younger brother is his bigger brother, but uh, he's home taking care of the church business and things like that, and, and because he's just uh, enjoying his eighth week of marriage, we were here in February for the minister's retreat, and I said, son, why don't you guys go with us this year, because it'll be the last time the four of us do something as the four of us, and now um, he's at home running the church, but this is my son, Kealoha, who is named after his grandfather. He's not only my son, but he is a minister of our church, but he's also uh, walks every step with his dad and, and, and sees to it that 
uh, if there's anything I need. That, uh, and so it's a, it's a blessing to have him with me. Um, I wish my whole family was here. You would, I, I'd love for you to meet them, as Mike was saying earlier. I want to talk this morning, and son, why don't you hang out right there with me, because I want to I use you here in a little bit. But uh, um, I want to talk this morning again. The banner behind me says spiritual emphasis. Everybody say emphasis. emphasis. We want to emphasize on the spiritual aspects of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Emphasize on the relationship with Jesus Christ. There's many things I love to talk about, but as you can see with our, by the way, that, he could have spoke on into my section, and I, I was having such a good time listening to him uh, speak, our brother from Sylvania. I, I, but because it gets away so quick, I want to I fill you up with God's word and talk to you about the emphasis of God and the spiritual nature. When we come down to something like this, and God gives us opportunity to set in front of the worship and, and get connected and be on our knees here in front of the altar and emphasize on the spiritual aspects of what God has for our lives. I'm Pastor Marty Ka'ole Lepono. Yes, we're Polynesian. That's not always a good thing, because we're just Mexicans stuck on a rock. We got to swim everywhere. Or surf. I had my full of, I know I don't look it, but I used to surf a lot. And, but, uh, nevertheless, my sons are named after their, after their patriarchs in our family, with their grandparents. And uh, we wanted to carry that heritage on through. And it's funny because if you're looking at me and my son and we're dark-complected, we are the only ones in our whole family. My brother is 6'4". He's blonde-headed and blue-eyed. My sisters are all as white as they can be. I understood what racism was in high school whenever they would ask, well, how can he be your brother? Because back then, mixed relationships were not as prevalent as they are today. They couldn't understand in a white family where this brown baby came from. And my brother would always say, he's Hawaiian. And they'd say, well, what's he doing here? I understand it, and I know, I know what it is to be in a place. I'm not going to get into the oh, is me type thing because I want to talk on the spiritual side of who we are. Amen? Romans chapter 8. Those of you who have a Bible want to turn with me there. Now, now, now you just got to soak these words in, church. Listen to what it says. Romans 8, 38 says this. For I am persuaded. Say persuaded. persuaded. For I am persuaded. I'm convinced. There's nothing can change my mind. I know what I'm talking about. Doesn't matter who wants to debate me. Doesn't matter who wants to come up and be the naysayers. None of that matters. With me, it's in stone. It's a rock of my, my salvation. There's nothing can persuade this away from me. For I am persuaded, Paul says, that neither death nor life nor angels or principalities, powers nor things present or things to come, Height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Now I'm here today to tell you, it's a, it is just like our last speaker. It is a blessing to come and see you on your knees, to come and pray. You know, and we as pastors, it gets into status quo. And if you don't understand what I'm talking about, the church can be just kind of 
move into tradition and every Sunday is just like the last Sunday and you try to move the, the, the emotions and, and, and the spiritual side of each and every person who attends. But the emphasis that we're talking about can be kind of put into a, a box or a, into a closet simply because we do it over and over and over. But you get to come once a year to a, a location here, this beautiful place, and emphasize on the spiritual nature of what God's doing for each and every one of us. Amen? Amen. There's nothing about me that would indicate this in my testimony, but I grew up playing drums. In fact, I was here at Spiritual Emphasis Week. I like that kit, so I went and bought one just like it. I told Benjamin, I said, as soon as I get home, I'm going to buy another one. I'm just going to be an 18-inch uh, bass, and we're going to put that in the church because I like the way this one sounded. But I grew up a drummer in a heavy metal band in the 90s. Yeah. Remember I said, I have nothing that looks like that now. But I had hair down my back, and I had all that stuff going on, and I played this big double bass kit, and we were just Motley Crue and, and Kiss. And, yeah, I mean, we had the whole genre going on. We toured, we did a lot of things like that and played in a lot of places of decadence. But when God began to change my life, he realized, I, I, I realized that the emphasis on my life hadn't been as spiritual as I thought. My grandfather is Assemblies of God minister. And I thought I knew what I was talking about. But God showed me as he pulled away the layers like an onion and he began to develop in me and show me, even before I was saved, you're not who you think you are. I like what my brother said a while ago. Whenever you find out in God's measurement, his measurement of, of who we are, you find out you're not much at all. I'm standing before you today with a wonderment of why I'm even here. Who cares about what I have to say? Because when you realize, and they ask you, what's your bio? Do this, Pastor Mike. I say, you guys know me. You know, Say what you want to say. But I don't want to talk about my... I'm a servant of the Most High God. And I know that he must increase and I must decrease. So if I can help anyone, just one of you today with this message, maybe you would be convinced and persuaded that nothing can separate you from the love that God has for each and every one of us, every single moment of every breath we take. Nothing can separate us away from his love. We can't even separate ourselves from God's love. We can, we can just say, we can say, I hate you, God. I don't, love, I don't want to be with you. But God says, I still love you the same. I love you the same. It makes no difference. I want to tell you a story, and, and, and I hope that I make it before Jana comes up too. We love Jana. <laughs> Jan even told me, she says, Pastor Marty, when I come up, you have time. Just That's kind of a wrap it up type thing. And I says, I, I got gotcha. you. I want to turn to the book of name, uh, the book of 2 Kings and chapter 5 of 2 Kings. And it's a story and not to, to read the whole chapter. I want to tell you the story and the man's name, but I will read this. It says in chapter 5 and verse 1 of 2 Kings. Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, this is the other side. This is not, this is on the, the wrong side of history for, for God, for the people of God. This is the Syrians who have defeated Israel and, and captivity is at hand. And so here's Naaman, their commander. The commander of the army of the king of Syria was a great and honorable man. He's on the wrong side, but he's still someone that people look up to. He's still someone that they go, that's a good dude, that's, that's a good guy. 
in the eyes of his master because the Lord had given him victory in Syria and he was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Church, can I tell you something today? Teen Challenge Southern California, not every time, even you might find yourself in a place where you think, woe is me. I'm going to talk about a pool. And I want you to imagine this open area being just a pool of water. Maybe it goes up to six feet and it starts out ankle deep all across here. And that pool of oh, oh, woe is me is always in front of each and every one of us in life. How many can say amen? We have a situation where a man, valor, mighty man, but he's got this weight upon his shoulder called leprosy. I know a little thing about that. My grandmother on my Hawaiian side, you know that there was a lot of missions worse that went to the Hawaiian Islands for, because of leprosy. Father Damien and different missionaries. My grandmother Elizabeth Ka'olilopono passed on, went to be with the Lord due to leprosy. That's not an issue today because of our medical wonderment that has happened in our world. But my own grandmother, not my great-grandmother, my own grandmother on my Hawaiian side passed away of leprosy. It can be a death sentence. To, it is a death sentence in this period of time, but it's also a shunning thing. This is a man that's carrying the burden around of going, I'm, I'm, I'm someone, but eventually they're going to push me out and say, you know, Naaman, you've got to go by yourself. You can't. You're contagious. You've got to get away from the people. He's carrying this burden. So when Scripture tells you this honorable man had this disease, it was, it was not just some flippant thing that we would think about. Well, the Syrians had gone out on raids and brought back a young girl from Israel, verse 2 says, and she became the slave of Naaman's wife. And as she becomes, has a relationship with these captors, she ends up saying, you know what? There's a man in Israel that can heal you. There's a man in Israel can heal you. And so Naaman believes her, and he goes to the king, and here in verse 4 it says, And Naaman went and told his master, the king of Syria, and thus this is what the girl said from the land of Israel. So the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed, and he took ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. That's $2.184 million worth of finances to go to the man of God. See, whenever we believe and we're emphasizing on something that's a need in our lives, we have an automatic accounting or equation. We begin to go, I know how I can fix that. I know I'm a fixed type of guy. When I see a problem, I know to fix it. It came up in our deacons meeting on Monday night. We were talking about issues. I said, well, guys, I'll take care of that because I'll fix that. There are those that do things like that, and there's those that just ask questions and go, how do we take care of that? Well, I'm one of those guys that come along and go, oh, we'll fix that. We'll make that. We'll make that right. And see, Naaman's in one of those situations that I can relate to because he's doing the same thing. He thinks cash and money and, and, and stuff is going to be able to take care of this stuff. So he takes all this, and he takes this letter, and the verse 6, the letter is given to the king. And it reads this way in verse 6, Be advised, what this letter comes to you, I've sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that he may heal your leprosy. Here's what the king of Israel does. He says, Am I God? Can I kill and make alive that this man sends me to heal, to heal him? Therefore, please consider, and he thinks that, the king, that, that Syria is trying to bait him into a quarrel. Now, Elisha hears about this stuff. So here's this 
recap a little bit. Naaman, honorable, mighty man of valor. He's got an issue, a problem. We all are here today, including myself, with issues that we've had to deal with in our lives. Maybe some of yours, our last speaker said, are bigger. Some are smaller. Or, or Jana said this morning from the keyboard. Maybe the scars are deeper. Some are maybe self. Whatever it is, we're dealing with something. And if we're going to emphasize on the spiritual nature of who we are, then God's calling us for something brand new. In Isaiah 43, it says, I'm going to do a new thing. The former things are gone. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. We just learned and heard that. There's a big, just, just like a big uh, uh, white sheet right here that you're going to paint the rest of your life on. Are you going to take a marker and start dotting it up with black and ink and junk and stuff? Or are you going to start putting the wonderment of God back on that? Elisha hears what's going on and he decides that, well, you know, O king, why don't you, as you've tore your clothes and you've, you've travailed about this problem, why don't you send this man to me? Verse 8. Communication gets had, and in verse 9, Naaman went, got his horses and all of his treasures that he has, and, and he, he goes to Elisha's house, and it says in verse 10, and Elisha sent, when he, uh, verse 9, then Naaman went to the, with his horse to church, and he stood at the door of the house of Elisha. Now, I want you to get this in your, in your, if you can, because this really affects me. And by the way, I came here to speak on spiritual emphasis, but the spiritual impact of this is an amazing part of my testimony. Naaman is standing at Elisha's door. Doesn't say he sent someone, it says he's standing at his door. Elisha, the man of God, knows he's coming to the door. But can I tell each and every one of you here today, God doesn't do things that you recognize it. God, God doesn't do things that I recognize. God does things so that it's so amazingly impossible to understand, only he can get the glory and the credit for it. Only God can get the glory and the credit for that. Only he can. So the man of God, who wouldn't have... Elisha wouldn't have been able to spend one day in a, in a pulpit in, our, in America today. People come up, knock on pastor's door. Hey, you go and talk to that, you know, brother so-and-so. So he sends Gehazi, and he says, you go and talk to him. He says to his servant, and you go tell him. He goes to the Jordan. He dips seven times. How many know what's going on now? You got all the goodies. You're a big, honorable, valor. I mean, mighty man of valor or woman of valor. I mean, or whatever your importance level, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, it's not working the way you thought it would work. Because God's doing something new. See, Naaman thought he could buy his healing. We read how Peter addressed that, don't we? Naaman had no understanding of the God things. And nothing is is impossible with God, and so it doesn't matter how God's doing it. You're not going to see it. I don't see it. I don't understand it. I went whole, down a whole other path away from my family. I was walking into a world of decadence. I was in the world of decadence as a musician, and God says, we're going to do something brand new with you, and I couldn't see it coming. And therefore, anyone who knows me in my background goes, 
That's a miracle standing at that pulpit. That's a miracle because we knew him. Well, Naaman was like many of you here today and myself. We don't always like when God's telling us this is the way I want to do things. How many can say amen? amen? Naaman doesn't go, oh, well, yeah, sure, not a problem. If, you're, if your master said go do this, and thus, and thus, I'll go do it, not a problem. Here's what Scripture says. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hands over the place and heal my leprosy. And he says, Are not the waters of the Damascus, the Damascus in Syria, aren't they better than all the water in, in Israel? Why do I have to go to the Jordan? How many are catching the drift of what I'm trying to say? If you're here indeed for a spiritual encounter with God this week, you realize that you may not get it your way. You may not get to see it your way. But you're here at TC, Southern California, because God's doing it His way. You're here because God's doing it His way. And I tell you, I talked to one of my brothers this morning that's doing it again because he realized he didn't do it God's way. So he came back, and he's going to TCMI and doing it God's way. And he said this from his own mouth this morning at, at the hotel. He says, I learned i got to do it God's way. Yeah. Pastor, what's that got to do with all what we're doing up here on this hill? Servants come to him, and they say, come on, Naaman. If he asked you to do something really great, you'd get credit for it. Wouldn't you have done it? Wouldn't you have done that? That's what Scripture says. He says, why don't, why don't you just go try it? Can someone say, praise the Lord for wisdom? Praise the Lord. This is just a servant going, come on, just go try it. Naaman goes to the river, and can you just imagine him walking out, and he's just, He said seven times. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Number six, and he walks back on shore, and he goes, really? I don't know. I'm just thinking from what I would be feeling like. Maybe your halos are all polished and brassed up. Mine isn't. Mine's not like that. And I think the way I would think, I think, this is stupid. What do you mean walk around Jericho seven times? Can we talk? Shh. Don't make a noise. These are my best friends. These are my, you know what I mean? Just, we're going to take a walk seven times. How many of you know when they got back after day two or three? Jericho, Joshua lost his mind. Let's vote him out. He's lost his mind. I got kicked to the back of the line because I just was whispering. He said, shh, don't make a sound. <laughs> when God says, I'm doing it my way, he wants to get credit for it so the glory, the kingdom of God receives glory that is undue any person, any way we could ever, ever figure out how to do these things. God does it in a way that we can't. <laughs> Rest of the story is he's healed. Dips in the river, 
And let me show you why God said, this is the why I want my way. Naaman comes back to him. He returns to the man of God, stood before him. Now the man of God's listening to him. Elijah's in his presence. Naaman, verse 15. Indeed. Everyone say indeed. indeed. This is the Naaman side of it. He goes, indeed. Now I know there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. That's what he did to Pharaoh with Moses, and that's what he's doing with Naaman. He wants Naaman to go back and tell Syria, you got to understand what's going on in Israel. Then people are hooked up to the juice. They can get it. I'm telling you, their God is the only God. We prayed all these images and these whatever these totem poles, but whatever it is they got is the real deal. You're not going to believe it. I walked into the river seven times and come back out seven times, and my skin turned to the skin of a baby. That's what the Bible says. When God's doing something, it's totality. And I told you, and I'm hoping I can make it in all this, I had to walk alongside of a testimony. Son, would you, we, we've asked, can, can you just get up and strum that for, for Dad? December the 28th, 2017, a year and a half ago, a year and five months ago, or give or take, almost to the day. It's my youngest son's birthday, and he's, he's turning 19. A lot has happened to him in a year. He's met the woman of his dreams, and, and uh, he's married. I got to lead their, their, their nuptials. That was a hard thing to do as a father, to stand there and, and lead their nuptials. You know what people didn't know when they were watching my son get married and his bride? They were on the first date they'd ever, ever been with. First time. They were betrothed to each other and they spent every moment of their engagement under supervision and watching so no one could even talk against them because my son at 19 walked up and said, Dad, I haven't spent 19 of my years living a righteous life for, for my Lord and Savior so that someone could talk against. He said, I need to be chaperoned, not because I don't trust myself. He says, I want people to know when they talk against me. And here's what he said, I don't want my good to be evil spoken. And I married my son and my daughter-in-law and they left out of that beautiful ceremony and went to be by themselves for the first time. In nine months, they were eight months or whatever it was, they were engaged in the eight months. And he took his bride away to a beautiful honeymoon in Belize and off the islands, off the coast there in the Caribbean for two weeks. Now be different if you said, well, that, that's how you, he paid for it cash. Well, that'd be different if you said, well, you must be a pastor of a big church, make a lot of money. No, I give back to the church and, and they can't afford to even have me there. It's because my sons have always paid attention to the basic things of understanding the training of what it is to be a servant of the Most High God. Yeah. December 28th, 2017. It was beautiful. We thought on our, and our boys that graduated Emmanuel High School 4.0, 
We decided, Mom and Dad, let's bless them. Let's give. Let's take them to Hawaii. Let's take them. They hadn't, as in their whole lives, they hadn't been to their home, their homeland. Let's take them to Hawaii. And we've been there two days. You know what we're going to do today? We're going to go rent some scooters. We're going to ride around like everyone else and enjoy the Waikiki, a diamond head. And that's what we had been doing. And after we left Diamond Head, we were headed to go have a birthday luncheon with my son, who's not here this morning. And as we were on Alawai Boulevard going through a green light all by ourselves, there was no traffic around us, I hear this blood-curdling scream, and so did my son, who was sitting next, driving next to me. We looked back, and just in time to see my wife go from about this position here to that pole over there and go straight head-on first right into the pole, wide open. I knew it was traumatic right off the bat because I could tell by the impact of her body and where her body landed, which ricocheted off the pole and went way out of two lanes into the Alawai Boulevard. I ran back and dropped my little scooter and I ran to her and I said, Mona, babe, Mona, and I started and I watched her eyes roll back in the back of her head and I watched her last breath be breathed. I listened to her heartbeat, and I listened to it stop. The paramedics got there, the fire department got there, and I found myself on the opposite end because as a young man, when I lived in Shafter, I was a part of the fire department there in Station 32, Shafter. And all of a sudden, I'm on the other end of this situation. Now, this testimony isn't to bring you down, or to, but to show you when you emphasize on your spiritual walk with God what God does. To cut through this, he taps on the side of the ambulance and he walks up and he says, critical. We get to the hospital. I'm not met by a doctors or someone, but a lady and a chaplain comes out. And I watch her go past me lifeless. It's now 40 to 45 minutes and she hasn't had a heartbeat or breathed one breath of air. And I know I'm saying this because some of this rotates. Teen Challenge rotates. And maybe some of you don't even know any what I'm talking about. I made a phone call to my family members, and the three of us, me and my two sons, were there by ourselves in Hawaii. No church members, nobody, just us. And I made a phone call and told them. My second phone call that came back to me, or got to me, was my brother. My brother in Christ. My brother from a different mother. My brother, Ron Brown. Marty, our hearts are broken. We're going to pull everyone in and begin to pray. I thought they were just talking about Riverside and Reedley. We come to find out it was all across everywhere. We didn't know at the time. We're at the hospital and the counselor comes up and I said, is she gone? And he goes, she looks at me, she says, we don't make those calls. But I know as a paramedic, as a firefighter, I realized what I witnessed on the street. We went into this little room, a counseling room, not a waiting room. They walked us in. And now I'm on the other end of this scenario where someone is talking to me about life. And, and I looked at the chaplain, a wonderful, wonderful young man. I says, 
I do what you do in California. And I says, I know how hard this is. Now you have to understand, we're all blubbering and snot flying. We're just tore up emotionally. But as we sat there, my youngest son, Kaoki, he put his arms around his head as though he could not tolerate. Because as young men, they both are thinking this thought. We were born in the church. We've been trained in the church. We only know worship. And we know this. And, 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 and the thoughts maybe of like, we've lived a righteous life. No, they're not perfect because no one... We can read scripture and it tells us we sin daily. But they've spent their lives living for Jesus Christ. And he's holding his head is in wonderment. Like how? And he walks up and he says, hope you can hear me. I'll try to talk. He goes, Dad, what will we do without mom? I said, son, we're going to thank God for the 30 years she's been with me. We're going to thank God for your 19 years and we're going to praise God for his 20 years and we're going to praise God in the storm. When we're talking spiritual emphasis, I can tell you, I can tell you, and I don't know why I was invited to come speak, but I can tell you now, I know firsthand what it is to be emphasizing on your spiritual side with God. And as we stood on the streets praying over her, the cars got out and they began to call down God's mercy. I thought, I thought this was a liberal state. What's going on? And it's like they, she was surrounded by two military men that got out and began to go, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. The lady jogging down the sidewalk rocked off through her headphones down and said, in Jesus' name. The ambulances that rolled to her her side. It took a little time because of the four one, uh, the nine one one type of stuff that goes on. We heard a siren go woo, and the the fire station was from here to the castle. You could see God beginning to unfold things by the second. She's in the back of the ambulance, and they're hitting her with defibrillators. Nothing. And I'm trying to prepare myself for my future without Mona at my side. I'm trying to figure out, and I'm saying, God, they don't need me, but they need their mother. I'll trade right now, God. If you'll bring her back, I'll trade. And we were still. And this young man right here, as though it was on speed dial, it looked like this. I'm sure it wasn't. And a song began to play as he's playing behind me. And it went like this. Go ahead, son. We're in a counseling room. And I said, can we be by ourselves for a moment? It doesn't matter if you're on. Just play. I was sure by now, God, that you would have reached out and wiped our tears away, stepped in and saved the day. But once again, I say amen. amen.
and it's still, it's still raining. Okay, hold right there. How many of you here today, it's still raining? Maybe you're plugged into TC, but you're still experiencing some of those storms. And I sat there and I thought, God, where are you at? Where are you at? I was sure by now you would have reached down and you would have wiped our tears away. But once again, it's still storming in my life. My wife is dying. She's gone. And their, their mother and she, if there's a righteous person on the earth, it's Mona. Some of those men from, T, from TC Reedley know what I'm talking about. Again. Come on, if you want to. And I was sure by now, God, you would have reached out and wiped my tears away or stepped in and saved the day. But once again, I say amen. That's what you do. But it's still You just keep saying amen during the storm. Even when the thunder rolls. I barely hear you whisper through the rain I'm with you And as you have a choir today falls, I raise my hands and I praise the God yeah. who keeps and takes and away takes away Hold for me right there I praise the God who gives and takes away. 45 minutes passed. Hit that C sharp minor for me. And I will praise you in the storm. And I will lift my head. Church, lift your hands in the storm. That's the spiritual emphasis you're here for this week. Every tear I cry. You hold in your hands. You never left my side. Though my heart is yes. I will praise you in the storm. Now listen to this. We are singing this course. I'm going to try to give an interpretation of how we were singing it. C sharp minor. I praise you in the storm. Because I will lift my hands. For you, God, are who you are. And the door opens up. And she walks back in and she says, with tears streaming down her face, our counselor, and she says, and the chaplain, can we come in? You guys sound like angels in the hallways. Second verse. I remember when. And I remember when I stumbled in the wind. There you go. And heard my cry to you and raised me up again. Because nothing can separate us. My strength was almost gone. 
How can I carry on if I can't find you? How many just feel whenever you can't find him? You barely. Because by the faith of knowing you're convinced. I'm with you. And as your mercy falls, I raise my hands and I praise the God who gives and takes away. Come on, church. I will praise you in the storm and I will lift my hands for you are who you are no matter where I am and every tear I cry will you hold in your hands you never left my side Though my heart is torn. Maybe your heart's torn this this week. I will pray. Are you, you here to emphasize on the spiritual nature of what God has for you? Though my heart is torn. I will praise you in the storm. Then the door opens again. And her code read, nine surgeons. Head surgeon walks in and goes, we have her back. We have her back. But then some words came out of her mouth that I knew as being in that field for in my earlier years. She says, why don't you come see her right now? And I realized they got her back and they're trying to make it so that they're, they don't see their mother's last image was bleeding out on Alawai Boulevard, Honolulu. And we go in there, we begin to sing this same song and hold her hand. And they pushed her away. And, he, and, and one of the other doctors who's over her neck, and he comes to me and he says, are you the husband? And I said, yes. She's hurt bad. He says, I know. He says, her right arm has been shattered, and it's almost pushing out the back, and you can see the fracture push, puncturing her skin and her elbow. She has a contusion, is bleeding on the brain in the front and the impact in the back from striking the road. Her carotid artery from the impact is stretched to ripping. And if it bursts, she will die instantly. And we believe she severed her spine. She's been without any life signs for too long. We're going to watch her for the next 24 hours. And I knew it was one of the death sentence type of speeches from a doctor. Say your pieces, get it right with her because we're just going to put her in a bed. Plug her in and
we went to the chapel of that hospital, Queens Medical Center in Honolulu. I want to tell you that's the greatest hospital on earth. My opinion. Their love for us and compassion and just to empathize with our situation was overwhelming. They acted like they had never seen a trauma like this before. And this is Honolulu. Coast Guard, Marines, Air Force, Army. And they acted with, like as if they were, were going to do And they were amazing. We went to the chapel and they came and found us. We don't want to disturb you guys, but you can go see her again and be with her. She's in critical care, not ICU, critical care. We began to pray, and there's a white book on the pulpit. It was completely blank. We began to write our prayers to God down. And I didn't know that God was doing a new thing. Come on, church. I didn't know God was doing a new thing. Well, what was going on? What's wrong? We're pastors. We trained our children up in the ways of the Lord to take over the church to help in ministry. But all three of us were at a place where we just needed God to touch us in a different way. What's that say? God goes, Marty, I want to emphasize on your spiritual nature. Marty, I'm going to show you something that you've not, you're, you're never going to forget this. About midnight, I'm walking down the hall. Just we're taking breaks in the room with my wife. And I pass him coming from the chapel. And he looks at me and he said, Dad, I've been spending time with God. Maybe you're a father here and you never heard those words. You don't know the value of hearing your son go, I've been spending time with God. He wants me to tell you that mom's going to walk out of this hospital. Well, I agree, son, 100%. I'm with you. I walked by my son, and I just thought, I said, God, she's dying. And I walked in that chapel and I began to read the prayers and now the book's full of prayers from other people that had been coming to critical care. It's like we started this and now I'm four or five pages deep of people's prayers. I said, God, if you told him, show me something. I says, I, I may not be deserving of it. I said, but show me something. He's a young minister. Don't start his life out with the crushing blow of you of believing by faith. Show me something. And we went through the night with her. Critical care. And they're walking in and giving us bedding. They're walking in and making us hot chocolate. When we would see this on the cameras, the doors would open wide while other people were waiting. God began to do miraculous like dominoes falling down in a line. One miracle after another miracle after another miracle. They push her into, into, the, into the MRIs. They bring her out MRIs and they tell us the bad news. Yes, that's what we thought. It's confirmed. 
We're going to take her back in in two hours, push her back in MRIs and come out. And I says, got, got a little bit of better news. Thank you, my brother. You understand what God's doing? I said, oh, really? He says, her spine is not severed, but it's heavy bruising. Her carotid artery is damaged. We're going to have to put a stint in it, but it's not as bad as we thought. And I said, well, why will you have to stint it? I appreciate that. I really do, my brothers and sisters, but Jan is going to come play. You've got to hear this or you'll never get the rest of this story. Her injuries to her leg, her ankle, and her knees, the fractures and breaks. and Her head was filleted open. Her mandible was shoved over to the side where her mouth was over here on the bottom. Her chin had been shattered into fractured pieces. They said that we'll never be able to put it back right. And she sat there all night long with bandages because you know how it is in critical care. We're going to try to keep them alive before we invest where you have to pay. You know, there's thousands and thousands of dollars. And I'm going to get to that. Because God's doing something in a new way. He wants to emphasize on Marty's spiritual character. This young man's spiritual character and the one that's not here today. And we're praying. We don't have a church around us. We don't have family around us. We're by ourselves. The nurse became bonded to our family and refused to not work our room every day. I want this family. She was an Assemblies of God girl out of Waipahu. God's working when you don't see him working. Because God does it his way. And like Naaman, Naaman thought he could manipulate the way God does something, and you can't do it like that. you got to wait and be patient. What are you going to do, God? Third MRI. We got some good news. There's no bleeding on the brain at all anywhere. It has dissolved and went back. I said, what about the carotid artery? Well, that's the thing that I got to tell you about. It's back in place. And I said, well, is that normal? And he goes, in my 40 years, I've never seen, he says, understand this, Marty. He goes, it's like cellophane. You stretch it, it stays stretched. It doesn't go back like rubber. It has to be replaced and fixed. He says, it's back. I looked at him and I says, you know what, Doc? That's the God I serve. Hold on. You know what came out of his mouth? Indeed. Indeed. He is. That surgeon looked at me. I knew he was a believer because he goes, indeed he is. She's still in bad shape. And I'm in the room, and I said, God, show me something. And she's no movement, no nothing, no eyes, anything. Her eyes literally opened her eyes. They rolled into the back of her head. The next morning, as everybody at home is crying and praying and vigils are going on, in Texas, one of my pastoral friends that was my associate, um, as associate youth pastor when I was at Cornerstone Assembly in Fresno with Jim Franklin, she put out there, she said on social media, if you love us, you'll be at this prayer vigil because this is my mentor. 
Mona's my mentor, and if you love us, then you'll be there. If not, we know you don't love us. And the church was packed with people that came to pray for my wife, and I didn't know that. I didn't know you people were praying. The Teen Challenge a year and a half ago were praying. I didn't know that in Reedley they called the men back into the chapel and said, come in. One of our pastors are in dire straits. Let's pray. X-ray after X-ray, MRI after MRI. Until they said, you know, we're going to start fixing her up. But the next day, 23 hours into this ordeal, I look at him and I go, what's that thing you do on Facebook? He goes, FaceTime? Get it up. And I says, and put on casting crowns. And I got on there and, I, and we told our church. We didn't know it would be all over everywhere. And I told our church, at noon California time, 10 here, we're going to start singing this and we're going to believe God for a miracle. Amen. Spiritual emphasis. Amen. It's not a banner. It's a movement. It's not just letters. It's not a banner. It's a movement. I felt like when I walked up the pulpit today, I was like, well, what should I tell them? And I looked at the screen, and I go, if you're watching me right now, 12 noon, we're going to sing this song. We're going to believe God's going to do something great. We began to sing that song. We got to the chorus. I will praise you. Help me out there. C sharp minor. Go. Right. I will praise you in the storm, and I will lift my hands. For you are who you are. And Mona opened her eyes. My wife opened her eyes. That's a good thing. How many can say amen? But she raised up off the bed. How many can say amen? Then she looked over at me and I go, babe, can you see me? And she goes, now she's got this big of a round of every kind of cord, cable, and suction tube that could go in a human body. Her mouth is like this, just stretched with things in her throat. And the doctor goes, we have to take her back under real quick. Says, no, 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 no. He says, if we don't, she'll, it, it's, it's traumatic to have that in you and you be awake. And I looked at her, I says, babe, do you see your son? And she looks over, I says, Ke aloha. And she looked across the bed or down at the foot of the bed and she goes, I said, do you see your baby boy, Kaoki? And she looks over, she goes, and I said, do you see me? And I said, what happened is you fell off your little scooter yesterday. You bumped your head. We got to get you better. And she just nodded her head and said, now we know she's not just in, in a vegetated state. She hears us. We know she understands us. Let me get to this. Like Naaman, Naaman didn't understand the glory of God. He didn't understand because like some of you today, I saw the believers that are convinced and persuaded and can't be changed. Then there's those that are the fringe going, I've only been here a week or two days, or I've only been here for a, a month. I'm not kind of grasping this whole Jesus thing. I spent 10 days in a hospital going, that's the God I serve. I got to get this done. One miracle after another miracle after another miracle. She's setting up in the bed. She's taking showers. They're walking and going, Marty, uh, okay, do you need some help? My wife, she wants a shower, and we're going to give her a shower. She's still in critical care. On the room next to her is a guy shot in the head. Next room to her is a guy in a motorcycle accident. Head trauma. 
We were there 10 days. We watched five people leaving body bags. Not one left alive. Zero human beings left that floor alive. When we told people, our wife, our mother, he says, my mom's on the fourth floor. And they go, oh, brah. That's so bad. The man, brah. The fourth floor like the death floor in Hawaii. Then there's two floors of ICU. We weren't even in ICU yet. And she's getting showers. One day I come walking through the nursing station and she's in a wheelchair. Where, where, where are you going? My wife needs sunshine. She needs to see Hawaii. We're going to push her to the window and show her Honolulu in the ocean. I will praise him in the storm. I praise God in the storms. I told you earlier there's a pool up here, an imaginary pool of the woe is me. I told my sons, don't, don't get in that and swim. Folks, I'm not going to tell you and put my shoulders back and puff my chest out to tell you that I was not a broken shell of a man. But I made a decision. As I was like this, and I was on the bank of that, of that woe is me, I knew I was ankle deep. I knew I was in it. I knew I was walking around the fringes of the, bank, of, of the pool of woe is me. I was walking around those fringes, but I refused to swim in it. I said, boys, don't get in that pool. Don't get in the pool of woe is me, because I can tell you right now, it'll suck you down into your own pathetic uh, uh, sympathy and sentence. It's like, why is this happening to me? Why? We couldn't understand what we had ever. We thought we've got, we are tithers. We preach. We lead people to the gospel. We worship. We've trained our sons. What could we have ever done to cause this? And the Lord says, nothing. This is something that happened, and I'm going to show you something brand new. You praised me in the storm. Teen Challenge, all of you beautiful women and handsome men here today, I want to tell you right now, you praise him in the storm. Well, I get out in a month and I'm going to be back in the same old thing. I don't care if you die in the same old thing. Keep praising him while you're dying. God's got a plan for each and every one of you. He's doing a new thing that you can't figure out. You can't manipulate your silver and your gold around it and all the cool clothing. You can't do it because God said, I'm doing a new thing for you. I'm going to show you an emphasis on a spiritual nature that you've never seen before. Marty, we want to fix her face. The scars are healing. We thought she'd be facially... We want to fix her face. And they come in and says, can you... Brought her out of surgery and they go, does this look like your wife? And I said, yeah. But except for the swelling and stuff. And they go, they said, well, we, it was so much damage, we didn't know. It's like a puzzle. We just put back what we could and whatever it wasn't, we replaced with metal. It says, we've wired her face shut and she will be like this for seven, eight weeks minimum. Seven, eight weeks minimum. All right. Next day, surgeon for his arm comes in. He goes, we're going to shoot some x-rays and start doing the operation on her elbow. I said, okay. This is day 10. This is the week we're supposed to be coming home. I'd already been looking for houses. If I was going to have to stay there, we didn't know how long it would take. I was going to send the boys back to run the church. We bring her back from x-rays, and the doctor, uh, uh, an intern walks in and goes, uh, doctor wants to see an x-ray. I said, she just got back. You, you, you guys are double work and duty. And he goes, no, no, no. 
he wants to see her again. And I said, what? He walks in, he comes into the, into the in, I kid you not. He comes in and he goes, click, click on the screens. And he goes, come on, I'll show you something. I said, okay. He says, you remember this right here? And I said, yeah. He said, that was 10 days ago when your wife came in. See her shattered elbow? Yep. He said, here it is today. And I said, what am I looking at? And he says, a completely healed, fixed elbow. That's the God I serve. Hey, wait, 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 wait. For you that aren't convinced or persuaded, that's the God I serve. Amen. You want your loved ones to die on? You let them die on. I'm going to stand by faith and believe and praise him in the storm. Amen. God, you're the God that gives. You're the God that takes away. And if you take her away, you need her more than I need her. But if you choose to leave her here, may her testimony lead one more, just one more to Jesus Christ. On my knees in the, in the chapel, on my knees. I said, God, when you were, I said, Lord, when you were in Gethsemane, you said this is too hard to carry. I can relate to that in some fashion. But there's only thing, one thing I ask, one thing. If it may be possible, don't make me fly home with that empty seat next to me and her in the bottom of the plane. That five-hour trip was going to be wrenching and killing to know your wife is in the pitch cold and dark and black down there in the bottom of that plane while you and your sons are flying home. I said, what's that mean, doctor? And he goes, it's healed. I said, well, what do we do now? Well, you guys have done the PT on her. You've been doing physical therapies for five days. And he says, you made us take the drugs away from her five days ago. I told him, stop the drugs. I said, she's never had anything in her system. He says, you're, you're killing her with drugs. Stop them. Well, Marty, the, all of the stuff, stop them. Get this stuff off of her. See, they were doing things that were like, we want to make sure we don't mess up. It's like, just get the, she, let's move forward here. Day 10, I push her out of the hospital and we sit on the corner on a little park bench and we watch traffic go by on, on Queens, in front of Queens Hospital. Now listen to this. Doctor, how, when can we get out? He says, I'm going to release her today. No room. No, we're going to move her to a, for observation in a hospital room. She's moving around, so she went out and gave all of her flowers to the nurses. The people, by the way, remember there's no church and there's no family, just us there. People at the hospital began to give her stuff. It was our anniversary, and they gave her anniversary gifts. They began to come up and gave him one day a, a young lady. We never saw her again, worked in the, in the gift shop, came up and says, we just were in the gift shop buying things, actually chargers for our phones, because we were away from our, our hotel, and we had no transportation, and we were just, you guys get it. And she comes up the next day, and she goes, oh. And he was standing right in front of the elevator. It opened up, and he goes, hey. She goes, this is for your mama. Tell her we're praying for her. The girl in the gift shop. When can we go home? He said, I'm going to release you today. But when can she get on a plane? So as soon as you can get your flights. <laughs> Teen Challenge, let me tell you something. We went back to the hotel from critical care. But as we were leaving, Mona's in the wheelchair and the doctors and the nurses for the solid two weeks we were there saw a human being leaving 
smiling and thanking them. Not a human being, not a human being going to intensive care, but a human or to a hospital bed, but a human being leaving the hospital. She gets down in the middle, and we'd already told her about his what God told him. And she stops and she says, Hold it. I want to walk the rest of the way. Oh no, 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 no. We we take you out in a wheelchair. She says, No. My son was told by God I would walk out of this hospital. It's taking too long, isn't it? Where's Jenna at? Just watch. Anyways, it's taking too long with all that. Appreciate it, but I'm telling you, it's stretching too long. Because there's so many miracles in this thing, it's absolutely incredible. She walks out and she puts her thumbs up, but what I didn't know was that FaceTime that he was doing on the iPad was going straight to our church during a prayer vigil, and they got to see this explosion that the screens just went boom, and they thought she was still in critical care, and they're watching the pastor's wife walk out of the hospital going. I will praise you in the storm. I will lift my hands, for you are who you are, no matter where I am. Babe, are you okay? We'll just get you home. We'll get you back to the hotel, take care of you. And down there on the beach, you could hear the Hawaiians playing hula music. Mongols. Babe, I want to go to the hula. I says, babe, you, you just walked out of critical care. I mean, I'm a man of faith, but what are we doing here? Let me tell you something. Mona went down to that night, and we thought she looked like a million bucks. I look at the video of that, and I go, my goodness, what were we thinking? The next day, she put on a little sun suit, and she went down to walk. She said, I want to put my feet in the sand. And we walked on Waikiki Beach. We got on a plane and left, and we got into Fresno, California. And we're walking down the runway, and he said, Dad, no one's ever going to believe this. And I says, it doesn't matter, son. We were there. Church, I want to tell you something. A friend of mine hooked me up with the OSF, a facial maxill surgeon, Fresno. I thought this would take weeks and months. He called me the next day and says, bring her in. I took her in. This is seven days out of surgery. He looks in her mouth and he goes, when was this done? I said, seven days ago. He goes, no, no, when was the surgery? I said, seven days ago. And he goes, that can't be. She's healed. We're going to take it all out of her mouth. So they begin to take all the screws and the cables out of her mouth in seven days. She never had to have a cast on her arm. But I wasn't insured either. I was between policies. And a quarter of a million dollars hit us right between the eyes. And we began to ask God. And just to cut this and get, and it, so you can get to lunch is this. Whatever's next. Our church began to pray and believe with us. And I get a letter from Queens Medical. Because of the impact of who you are and what you did and what's been said around this hospital of your guys' faith, 
I'm telling you, TC, you praise him in the storm. You praise him when you get up. You praise him when you get down. Whatever it is, it's easy to praise God when something's going good. But whenever this happens in your life, he'll create a brand new thing. Indeed, God is the God of Israel. And I watched two young men increase in their ministry by 10 years, given 10 years. They went from being young youth pastors, pastor's kids, to ministers of the gospel. And I took them home and made them staff. Do I have time? Just one on the course. Here we go. Here we go. Come on, church. I will praise you in the storm. And I will lift my hands For you are who you are Listen to the choir No matter where I am Every tear I cry You hold in You never leave my side Come on, lead them Though my heart is torn I will praise you in the storm. Come on, church. I will praise you in the storm. And I will lift my hands. For you are who you are. No matter where I am. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you haven't already, Subscribe today on your mobile device to get exclusive new content from Teen Challenge of Southern California. For more information, visit us on the web at teenchallenge.org.